I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right. This is The Big Douglas Show, and my guest today is Mark Tyler from Hogs. How are you, Mark? I am good, Doug. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing well. Now, the... The site that you write for, that is your baby? Who came up with that thing, and how long have you been with, with, with it? So let me see. I've been with Hogs Haven since 2010, I believe. Um, okay. Ken Marigola was our, was our guy, and uh, he kind of brought me aboard. And, you know, we've had some leadership changes over the past couple of years, but, um, you know, we've kind of hung together with a core group of guys that have been there doing the writing, doing the reporting. So um, it's been a great community. And it is nice for you guys because the name that was chosen, you won't have to change it. You know, <laughs> if you were if you were Redskins, you know Haven or whatever it might have been, then you'd have yeah. to you'd have had to figure out which way you wanted to go with that thing. So fortunately, you you won't because I I know a bunch of people that have you know that are stuck kind of in a middle ground trying to figure out what they'll do there. Yeah, we're we're going back in nostalgia, so we're never going to lose that. Um, hey, listen, if it becomes a new name, so be it. You know, we got some uh, we got some nice branding that they uh, they, they may want to come in and approach us about. So we'll see. That's good. All right. Well, look, let's start with the little trivia today. Uh, I've got uh, a list of players on the team, and we'll see if you can guess where they went to college. Ooh, this will be fun. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, we've done this a couple of weeks, so we're running out of players. It might be a little Uh difficult today. We'll see. How about the new guy, Charles Leno? So Leno, oh, goodness. Wow. We're looking at the Midwest region. No, I'm lost on him. It's a tough one. Boise State. Boise Boise State. State. Okay, all right. Uh, Cornelius Lucas. Oh, man, you're killing me with these guys, these two I, I, guys. Um, I told you, I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, Purdue? Kansas State. Kansas wow. State. Yeah. We're learning together. I didn't know these. I know a lot of them. I didn't know these guys, a bunch of these guys. How about Adam Humphreys? Man, I'm stumped again. You got me. I can't even take a guess on Humphreys, and I should know this one. Clemson. Uh, He's a Clemson guy. I think he was there with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, so maybe like uh, so Hunter Renfro followed in his footsteps. Correct. That, that's Renfro, about right. Very, very similar type of player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody's favorite, Trust Way. I knew you were going to ask me, Trust Way. Australia. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Oklahoma. Was he an Oklahoma kid? Sure. I did not yeah. know that. Listen, I'm pretty good at these. I listen, I am too. I told you I felt bad. It's a tough list. We really, we really have done this for like a month now. So we're running out of players. Last one, John Boston. John Boston. Florida. Florida. It is tough on each one. Yeah, you gotta throw me an easy bone here and there. I doubt that was the bone there. (laughs) Let's say do you think John Bostick makes this team? I saw you. Let's start with let's start like this. The piece came out you did yesterday. I read it. It was really good. It's about the evolution of the Mike linebacker. John Bostic has been that guy. He has been the, the throwback middle linebacker. Do you think he'll make the team? So I think he does make the team just because we don't have a lot of other options behind him. 
where I'm seeing him fit in best with this team now is at a Sam linebacker where he's a 30% snap guy on defense, helping to mentor some of these younger guys like Holcomb and Davis. Um, I do think he has a role on this team, but I, I hope we have better options when we look to our nickel package because where Bostic struggles, you know, is dropping into coverage and reading, reacting. He doesn't have the loosest hips in the world. Um, his eyes are good, but he just doesn't have the athleticism to get where he needs to go. And to ask him and turn and run with a tight end going down the seam is a little bit scary. So, yeah, I we've, think he makes We've seen that movie. It is scary. We have. We've seen him in, in coverage a lot last year. And, and listen, there was some good and some bad, but I think the bad outweighed the good. And, um, you know, this switch, this evolution to this new type of inside linebacker, whether you want to call him your Mike Sam, um, your, your, some people call him their Mike Will, but, um, you know, they're, they're more of a transitional piece where you can play either or. And I just don't see Bostic fitting in in our defense in either one of those positions. So if he's going to play, he'll probably play as a strong side guy on first and second down. And then when you come to third down, we go into a nickel. I see him getting subbed out off with that extra D back. Do you think they'll get Jamin Davis up to speed fast enough to start the season in the Mike role? Well, here, this is an interesting dynamic because last year we all knew that Holcomb was working a little bit at middle linebacker in training camp. He was cross-training there. So they were kind of getting him prepared and getting him ready if he had to step into that role last season or looking ahead to this season. So it could be a natural fit for Cole to play that role as the Mike. But in my piece yesterday, I did write about Tampa Bay a little bit. And where I see Tampa Bay coming into parallels with us are they have two outstanding linebackers in Levante David. Um, and obviously, uh, obviously they're, they're, they're young guy Devin, there, yeah. Devin um, White. So I think we could kind of emulate that role a little bit where we use Holcomb and, um, and Jamin as basically interchangeable, you know, so based upon the defensive offensive personnel that comes out, you can flip flop those guys. It's just going to be more of, uh, of, of who gets the green sticker on the helmet to this point. I have been floating around this what we're calling a shark attack defense, five to five, so that we can get as many. I mean, that, that's kind of where the 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 beef of this defense lies, right? And those five defensive linemen and, and all the safeties and, and D-backs that are there. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I floated the idea of, of running a 4-3 under look a little bit, and I love Shaka Tony in that Sam walk-up linebacker spot. So basically you're looking at five guys walked up to the line of scrimmage. You kick Jonathan Allen out to a seven technique on the other side of Jonathan Allen. Um, you, you know, you, there you have Tony as your walk up on the opposite side, you play a wide nine and that could be Montez or that could be chase and, and they can rotate. It could be a situational defense where you need to get those guys some rest and, um, you know, you can do this look and obviously you have, um, you know, settle or pain inside. Um, and nine, I was to be back this year, right? That's correct. So, I love that 4-3 under look. Um, obviously, we talk a lot about the Buffalo nickel now, you know, where you're looking at the four defensive linemen in an even front, looking at that uh, that hybrid defender, whether it be a Hudson, whether it be a Curl, whether it be a Collins. So I think those are all interesting, but I, I look at base defense as being nickel right now. I mean, how many teams Absolutely. run base defense um, over 40% of the time? It's very, very, very few. And you mentioned it. Uh, so I'll ask you, Kaliki Hudson, I think they've got big plans for him this year and are excited about what he can do. What do you think about him? 
So I think he is, you know, we obviously came out of Michigan as a, as a safe, started in Michigan as a safety and then transitioned Correct. to linebacker, you know, so he's kind of like that hybrid, like that warrior type of player or what, you know, Jack Del Rio may refer to as his Buffalo nickel defender. So um, a little bit undersized, but fast. I think he was a four or five guy at the combine that year. He can hit, he can tackle, he can cover. Not the loosest guy when it comes to hips, so I definitely don't see a pure safety with him. That's why I think the hybrid defender role fits him best. But, you know, if he's floating between 220 and 230 pounds, um, and, and his frame is not the biggest. He's a six-foot tall guy, maybe just a tad bit under. But if he can float around that size, he can play a linebacker in today's NFL, and he can definitely play in space, which is where I like him a lot. So um, imagine this type of scenario. Imagine that we have... Um, Davis sitting in the middle. We have Holcomb that can play as a salmon base, and then they can move him around in nickel. But Hudson could be your traditional will linebacker. And I think he could do a good job in that role because when you drop in a nickel, you have no problem putting him out there covering a tight end in the slot or even playing a running back that would, that would split out wide. So he has that ability and he's definitely an intriguing candidate this year for that hybrid role. I say Landon Collins, and you say what? I say I'm going to be very quiet. I, I, I think know. I mentioned I, that. You on said Twitter that, but that's not what we don't we don't you, do quiet on the show, Mark. All right, I'll t I'll I'll kind of spill the beans here a little bit. Um, you know, not going to lie, I, I'm a big Landon Collins fan. I have been since he came out of Alabama. Actually, I followed the kid since he was in high school. I remember the day he committed to Alabama. Um, so, been a fan of his. Would have loved for us to draft him when he came out. Um, I did obviously, too. we didn't have that opportunity. Um, when he, we when I found out we were signing him, I was I was thrilled. Um, I thought he was a very very gifted safety who was definitely suited more on the strong side, but could still drop back as a single high if you needed him to. Um, I think his first year here, he was learning that defense with a lot of moving parts behind him and next to him. And I think he struggled a little bit in coverage, but where you saw him excel was down inside the box. And I remember I did a lot of cut-ups of games where he'd be flashing the A-hole, he'd be flashing the C. Um, you know, he looked like, you know, today's typical, you know, undersized linebacker flying through making plays in the backfield all the time. Um, the Achilles injury obviously hurt him a little bit last year, but he wasn't playing the best before that happened. So he was missing some tackles. He was out of position on some plays and some fans got down on him. I am not one of those fans that has been down on Landon, nor am I going to be going into the season. I expect big things if he comes back healthy. And that's kind of why I've said, you know, I heard a lot of griping. I heard a lot of people say in that contract, we got to get out from it. We got to move on. I'm one of those people that thinks that given the right situation and the right coaching, it, it, he can really um, excel in this defense. I'm with you on that one. The Achilles will be odd. And we'll have to see where it goes because it's a devastating injury for a guy that isn't the, I mean, if, if there's a knock on him, he's not super fast or safe, right? But, not well, not super slow, though. I mean, don't forget. I mean, he's only 26 years old, I think 27. And when he was at his combine, he ran a 4.52, I believe. And he was 228 pounds at the time. So it, the, the problem with him is the short area change of direction skills. He doesn't have that stick your foot in the ground, flip the hips, open plant, and burst. But when he's back there reading a play that's in front of him, he can certainly excel on the ball. So that's what I see from Landon. Um, you know, I'm not as concerned about the speed. I'm more concerned about him being in the right place and being able to 
to have good eye discipline back there playing safety. Tell us what Chase Young's 40 was at Ohio State, please. So I had heard from uh, a friend of mine. I've heard, I've heard a number two. I'm curious what you, what you heard. So I, I heard, I heard he was as low as four, four, eight hand timed um, and as high as a four, five, two. So four, five to four, five, two is where I heard most of the guys clocked him at. Um, so if you transition that to a combine time, I think he's a four, six, five guy at the combine all day long, which is phenomenal for a six, five, 265 pound guy. It is, and 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 I think even more important would have I would have loved to seen the the three cone right or the shuttle mm-hmm. to just see what that quick burst speed was because that that video that was out the other day you could see the man's not supposed to move that fast. No, it, it was amazing. Space. So what what did you hear from the combine time or from his uh, hand time? At, at, at I speed? I I had heard that they had him a whole lot closer to four or five. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was coming from a friend of mine who is a son of a position coach. So um, I, t- I took that as pretty solid information, yeah. but I was just curious what people thought, because listen, we didn't see him really um, open up and run that last year. Besides that fumble recovery he had, you know, everything when you're playing a defensive uh, edge position, short area, you're kind of playing right. in the phone booth. Sometimes you have to track to your side of the, the field, but that fumble, um, but we all know that Montez Sweat was out there leading that. Montez Sweat was a good three yards ahead of him. He started a good 10 yards behind him. So we know how fast Sweat is. Uh, what's a freak of what uh, he's got a chance to get more sacks than young this year agree or disagree I agree because they're gonna put people on young side they're gonna chip them they're gonna double team them they're gonna um, you know they're gonna roll the offensive line they're gonna slide protect to that side um, so yeah Montez does have an opportunity to really go out and, and get it I mean um, nine sacks last year he had one in the playoffs so if you if you want to look at what would technically be 17 games we played last year, you know, there's your 10 sacks, but he only had nine in the regular season. So I think he can easily be a double digit sack guy. He was one of my favorite guys coming out um, of Mississippi state. I just thought he was a freak of nature. And when we moved up in that draft to secure his rights, um, I was very happy. And I, I said, this kid's going to be uh, a force in the league for a long time. So um, I was team. too. And you'd easily give up the draft pick that they gave up to get that extra year, you know, that's the beauty of that first round when you bump up there to get Montez is that you get that, uh, that fifth year option, because as we know, they got a whole lot of people on that D line that they, that they're going to have mm-hmm. to sign over time. I think there's a way I, I have long thought there wasn't a way I've talked to enough people over the last couple of months makes me feel like there is a way to get all those guys signed. It will be interesting to see how they do it. I agree. I mean, Settle's the one guy that I have doubts on. You know, I think we can get Allen signed. I think Allen gets signed sometime uh, within the next couple months. I think um, I, I think we see an announcement pretty soon on that. Payne's going to be interesting. Um, see where he comes in. He had a great rookie year. His sophomore year, he slumped a little bit, and then he came on very, very strong again last year. Settle's going to be the guy that's interesting to me because what do you do with, like, technically your fourth defensive lineman i mean do you pay him eight nine ten million a year can he go out in the free agent market and can he can he get more that's the thing so um he'll be the one guy i'm kind of i'm kind of looking at for the future to see if we can kind of keep that and that's just a pure luxury to have that type of depth it is and they've drafted really well i'm i'm curious to see also what they do with smith williams this year i'm really big on that guy and i know they are 
He's another one of these unique spark guys that tested through the roof. They played him a lot of D tackle last year, which I thought was interesting because I think he played mostly ended NC State. Uh, I'm correct. expecting to get more work from him this year too. Yeah, he's going to be interesting in that mix. Uh, Tool Hill, Casey's going to be interesting mm-hmm. in that mix. Um, you know, what they do with Shaka Tony is going to be interesting to see too. I mean, he's an undersized situational guy right now, but you throw him at Sam linebacker and just let that. He uh, reminds me ability. a little bit of Bruce Irvin. That's exactly the comp I had. I wrote an article about that, yeah. and that was my comparison to him. And, and if you remember, when he was up in Seattle, Bruce Irvin made his name in that 4-3 under look where he was coming off the edge as a high bid bred Sam linebacker rushing the passer. So um, I definitely agree with you 100%. That's the comp I have for him. That's the type of player I see him being. And surprisingly, we did a spider chart of him. He's a better athlete than, than Urban was coming out. Oh, they, they've got a type. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they have drafted specifically for it. Another type guy, and I've said this uh, repeatedly, uh, I would not be stunned if sooner rather than later, St. Juice is starting opposite of Jackson, which allows them to get 29 back into his more natural position in the nickel. Yeah, I mean, I think that would that would make legitimate sense. The length the speed, the change of direction skills that that kid has, you just can't teach that. I mean, 6'3", 200-some pounds. The wingspan is ridiculous. The length is ridiculous. He can turn and run, run with receivers and hip trail. He can play zone. He can play, you know, the ball in front of you. Um, I definitely see that as being a legitimate option this year. And with Fuller, you have so many different dynamics that he can compete. He can go in there and he can play – your slot role. He can play as a free safety. He can play as a strong safety. Surprisingly, he's an excellent blitzer too. So um, it just gives you more versatility in what you can do with a player like Fuller when you have someone on the outside like St. Juice locking that down. They have been running Everett at free safety, which astonishes me. I guess it astonishes me more that he actually looked good in the small amount of time he was there before he got hurt. I am a Reeves guy. What do you think? I think he'll end up starting at free safety. I'm not sure McCain even makes the team. What are your thoughts there? So I've been mixed on Reeves. Um, I thought Reeves came in and played good last year in a difficult situation, but he wasn't perfect by any means. Communication was his strong suit. Um, He's an undersized guy, not the fastest guy in the world, but he reads the ball well, he reacts to plays, and he understands route concepts. So that's something that he has going for him. With Everett, he's a vicious hitter, but you also see gaffes every game where he'll commit a stupid boneheaded penalty because of that. So I think he's a little bit better overall athlete. He was a former cornerback that transitioned to safety. So a lot of people don't know that he had those hips. He had that ball, those ball skills that you look for. Um, he was also our special teams captain. So a lot of people were saying, I don't think Everett makes his team. And I kind of argued against that saying, I think he does just because of the special team prowess. But Oh, I'd, I'd be shocked if he doesn't make the team. No doubt. He's, he's been the special teams captain. No doubt. Yeah. I, I, I'd um, be more, I'd be, I'd be more stunned if they kept McCain over Everett. Well, McCain is so versatile too, though. I mean, he can also play the slot. He was a very good slot cornerback last year. He rated very, he actually rated higher from the slot than he did from the single high position, but um, fiery competitor, still relatively young. Um, he, he can move. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but I, they say teammates gravitate toward him. He's a natural leader back there. Um, I think he's the type of guy that 
Ron will love, not only on the field, getting guys in the right position, but in the locker room. And I think that versatility just makes him stick because he's very good in the slot. And you know how guys get dinged up. We saw it with Stroman. We saw it with um, a bunch of guys last year. Sure. So I, I have him making the team right now, but we'll have to see how he looks in TC. It, uh, it will be interesting to see. They have so many versatile parts back there to kind of see what those two mad scientists come up for that back end will be interesting. Let's switch to the offense for a little bit. Um, I'm sorry if this gets you in trouble because I know that the Heineke hive comes after you like they do me, but there's, I mean, does Patrick will have to be just awful to lose the job anywhere before the first game of the season, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, I joke around all the time about the Heineke howlers, just trying to get them going. Um, Yeah, listen, I'll be the first one to tell you, I do not hate Taylor by any means. I just need to see more than two games, two and a half games, um, two career starts with an 0-2 record and more turnovers and touchdowns. I need to see more. So I understand why our fan base, who's been desperate for a quarterback for decades, is latching on to a guy like Taylor. He's a great story. I mean, guy comes out of nowhere, you know, then he goes into the XFL, then he's out of the league for a year and a half. He comes off his couch after taking finals, um, you know, leads us to a a really nice game against Carolina as he came in and um, mop-up duty toward the end after um, Alex got hurt. And then playoffs, he he had a great game. But listen, it wasn't perfect by any means. And so I just like to keep people in check and give a little reality check when I can. Um, having said that, I think you're right. Fitz would have to fall completely on his face for him not to be the starter going into the season. And unlike what some people think, I think he has a long leash. A really long leash. And, and I don't think I, I personally don't think he'll need it. I mean, the guy has played extremely well the last couple of years. We say it all the time on this show. People hate to hear it, I think, largely because, I don't know. I don't even know why people hate to hate on Fitzpatrick. I think he's in line for 42, 4,300 yards this year. Yeah, with that seventh, with that 17th game this year, I think I projected him uh, right around that area, too, um, with more touchdowns, doubling his interception total. Um, and he's got weapons right now on offense, which, which is scary, and they're versatile. And you can move them all over the formation. And it's exactly what Scott Turner wants to do. And the thing with Fitzpatrick is he's so smart that you can give him control of that offense and he can check you into the right play at the line of scrimmage. Not to say Taylor's not. Um, you know, Dwayne didn't have that ability. We saw it. You're basically calling plays for him on a wristband and saying, hey, if this doesn't work, here's your one check. But with, um, you know, with Alex, we saw it. He was checking us into better plays. He just didn't have the ability to make the, some of those throws. But, um, yeah, I, I, be- I believe Fitzpatrick will do a good job this year. I think he's going to take this offense to another level with all these weapons we have. We talk to enough national guys on this show. They're high on Turner as a play caller. I like Turner as a play caller. What do you comp- The fan base, I think, is either, either hates Turner, it feels like, or is still in wait-and-see mode. I get wait-and-see mode. I'm not sure why I get the hate for his play calling because the last couple of games when he actually had people in there that, you know, were willing to kind of run the offense, it looked innovative to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. There's no middle ground with him. 
Um, I said last year when he came aboard that I was very impressed with him. And, you know, there was a rocky start last year. The first five games were a little bit ugly. There was reasons for that, though. What I think he does very well is he'll tailor his offense to fit the personnel that he has. I think we saw that last year. Um, he'll do it with his quarterbacks. He'll do it with his receivers. But we did not have any weapons on the outside opposite Terry. So he was very limited as to what he could do and how he can do it. Where you see him at his best is with route combos. He uses a ton of motion to kind of make sure the defense dictates to him what type of coverage they're in, and then he'll be able to exploit that. Um, play action is what we didn't see a ton of last year, which I think we're going to see a hell of a lot more this year, especially with the deep threats that we have. And what he loves is he'll run a deep route with an opposite deep over concept and rub routes underneath or angle routes with his backs. You just can't cover that. And I think he's such an innovative play caller. I just don't think we've seen the best of him yet. But those little glimpses, you know, us guys that love to watch film, you know, we can pick those things up and we go, wow, you know, that's some serious shit right there. McKissick had 80 catches last year. I know, I know. It's unbelievable. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's so so unbelievable. And Evan Silva was on with us and said that the league didn't even think McKissick was going to catch on with a team. Like that, he was just nobody really cared, and there nobody had really a role for him. And this team knew exactly what they wanted to do with him, and it was incredible. And that's with Gibson missing games. Yeah, I mean, Gibson missing games definitely hurt, but he stepped it up. You know, just like Gibson, he's a former receiver in college, so he knows how to run the entire route tree from the outside. You can put him in the slot. You saw him move all over the formation last year. Um, It reminded me a little bit of John Beck and Roy Hallou. You remember yes. that year? Yes, of I course. Think, uh, I think Kalu caught like 12, 12 receptions in one game, maybe even more. But, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. that's right. Set the record. How many tight ends do you think they'll keep on this team? I've been trying to sort out the tight end room is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think we know about Logan Thomas. From everything I understand, John Bates has the best hands of anybody in the draft, not named Kyle Pitts. Um, so I, I'm sure that they like him. They picked up Ricky Seal Jones, who is still fairly young and productive. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they've got the Brazilian. Does the Brazilian make it on the practice squad? He goes to the practice squad. I mean, I'm not sure the exact rules of the practice squad because I know he's got some guaranteed money. I know he's so raw, but I wonder if another team would be willing to take him off their practice squad, which makes me feel how many tight ends do you think they'll keep? I mean, I think we go with three. Um, and I, I don't think Reyes makes it. I think Reyes goes to the practice squad unless he comes out and just completely blows people out of the water in training camp. Um, he's been working with Logan Paulson. So Logan's been talking a little bit about what he's been doing with, uh, with Reyes. And, and listen, he's a work in progress. You can see it on the way he runs his routes. Um, he doesn't sell his routes yet. He's very stiff and upright in, in, his, in his demeanor when he's running. Um, Blocking is going to be a challenge for him. You know, he's working on things like, you know, his kick slide and, and his, his jump kicks. And he, he, it's going to take a while. So I think we keep three tight ends. You know, Bates, for me, was a head scratcher in that draft. Um, there was a couple mm-hmm. other guys that I thought we were going to maybe target before him. Uh, Brevin Jordan was one of those guys. But I heard he came off terrible to teams and had really, really bad interviews. So Ron being a character guy. Now it yeah. makes sense why maybe we stayed away from that. But I thought we needed a mismatch threat at tight end. 
um, someone who'd come in and instantly give us that joker type of tight end. And Bates is the opposite. You know, he's an inline guy. He's a wide yes. tight end. So mm-hmm. a little bit different for me. Um, I know he's not the most, you know, dynamic athlete in the world. Um, you know, I've heard he, ha- he has great hands. I didn't watch a ton of film on him coming into the draft, but um, I labeled him as rather pedestrian when we picked him and I got torn apart for that. So I'm a little, I'm a little torn on him. I don't know how he's going to be, um, but we'll see. The big kid. The other one that floats around the, the Twitterverse is the wide receiver room. I've got Adam Humphreys out. Uh, a lot of people give me grief on that one. I think we know the four that are in for sure. Assuming that they pick that they keep six. What do you think that receiver room looks like? Yeah, six is definitely my number two. Um, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Brown's not going anywhere as a rookie. He's got tremendous upside. You know, you know Terry and uh, Curtis are going to be your top two guys. Um, I have Humphreys in. I think he's your only true slot guy there. Um, I mean, Curtis can play the slot. He can play running back. But I think they're going to use him outside because they want to, you know, take advantage of that 4-3-1. He actually played has. outside at Ohio State, I think, more than people realize. He did, 100%. And, um, but you can move him around the formation, which is, which is sure. nice. Turner will love that. But I have Humphreys in. Um, I think if Sims has a good training camp, he showed a lot last year and mm-hmm. um, when they called upon him and, and he made some I good have, plays. I have him in. Yep. And I also have um, I have Harmon in. And the, the guy that I have on the outside of the bubble right now looking in is AGG. And I can right. tell you right now, he did not impress me last year. I, I, I said to so many people, I, the kid cannot gain separation. He doesn't have quick twitch ability off the line of scrimmage. He doesn't use his hands well. He gets jammed. He lets defensive backs get into his chest plate. And he just wasn't gaining any separation on his routes. I think he caught, what, one ball for three yards last year? He had a terrible year. Yeah, it was bad. So I have him on the outside looking in right now. Um, so I have us keeping six, but I have Humphreys being in. It's incredible. I think people don't realize just how hard getting those couple of inches of separation and what a difference it makes getting off the line to your point. And, and it's why McLaurin has said that he spent all offseason as good as he is working on releases mm-hmm. from the line, because it's, it's not just running fast. You right. know what I mean? And I, and I think people get that uh, misunderstood. It's all about uh, the stem. It's how you set guys up and, and how you stem your routes. And, you know, Terry does an excellent job at it. Curtis does an excellent job at it. But last year you saw a lot of guys that were raw. I mean, we saw, I mean, Cam wins with his height and his long stride. He can build up yeah. that speed. Um, Harmon wins with his physicality, but he's pretty good in and out of the stem too. And, and a lot of people don't give him credit for that. And he's got an amazing set of hands. But where Gandy Golden struggled was he just didn't break solid out of the top of that route. You know, he wasn't giving those subtle head movements to get a defensive back slightly off uh, kilter and being able to break the other way. It was just some of those little nuances of the game. Maybe he picked that up this offseason and maybe he comes in the training camp and just wows us. But I'm kind of holding my breath on him right now. I'm I'm not really projecting him to do a lot until I see something else. Leno, if we take Leno for his word on it, he said he came here because he was told that the left tackle job would be his. Let's assume that's true and he stays at left tackle. Do you think Cornelius Lucas starts off at right tackle and they wait on Cosme or they're ready for Cosme right now? So this was my biggest um, 
this was my biggest offseason talking point before the draft coming up. Um, I love the offensive line play. I watch it. You know, I, I go back and watch every game multiple times to see how the offensive line performs. So coming into the draft, um, I had offensive tackle as one of our top needs. Um, I had it right up there as the top need. So when we didn't go offensive tackle with our first pick, um, I, I said they're definitely going to go offensive tackle in the second round. That, that class was too deep. So my thinking is if Cosme is at or even slightly below Lucas coming into the preseason and coming into the regular season, he will get the start because Ron has said, I did not spend a high pick on an offensive tackle to let him sit. He's a super athlete and we have a great guard playing next to him. And we also have someone that you can cover him up in with a guy like Bates or Thomas. So you can help protect him. You can slide protection his way. You can have a chip. But if he's anywhere near or a tad bit below, um, I think he starts over Lucas. I've said for a long time, Lucas is best as a swing tackle. When he was brought in here, I said he is the perfect swing tackle. Reminded me of Ty Inseki. Almost identical body types, length. They're both waist enders. They both have heavy feet. That's why I don't think he can survive a full 17-game season and expect a high level of play from him. But as a swing tackle, I think he's awesome. So I think I know Cosme. They didn't expect that Cosme would be there. I think they thought he was going to end up going in the low first. Just like I don't think they thought they were getting Diami Brown in the third. I, th I think they thought he was going to be gone by them. So I, I know they were really happy with those. I agree on Brown. There was a lot of draft picks that said that he was going to be uh, taken in the second round. So when he was there for the third, a lot of guys I follow said that that may have been the steal of the draft prior to having a season, you know, so obviously the games aren't played on paper, but his skill set um, was definitely what I thought second round. And I thought it was going to go high second round. Sheriff, if the number is, you think that, let's do it like this. He's not coming back after this year, right? And, and even if they were willing, would you, would, where are you at $17 million for a guard? Because I'm assuming that's the number he's looked at, 15, 16, 17. Personally, I pay him $17 million a year right now, and I don't think twice about it. Because in two more years, when that TV revenue kicks in, the salary cap jumps up by $25 million a year. And you, you know what's going to happen? You sign Sheriff tomorrow. Guess whose contract comes up behind his? Quentin Nelson. That's right. He's going he's gonna to probably tack two more million a year onto Sheriff's contract. So in three years, when Sheriff's 32, 33, you're going to be looking at that contract and saying it's not that bad, especially when these TV revenue kicks in. Here's where I look at things. Sheriff's a damn good guard. He's been injured, but when he's healthy, he plays at a high level. He's the first first-team All-Pro we've had in I can't tell you how long. And I don't want to let a guy like it's that go. the kicker. Yeah, that's right. It, it was the Turk brothers. Um, but yeah, which one got it? Was it Matt or was it Matt? It was, Matt was the kicker. Yeah, it's been a long time. But um, I don't, I don't let Sheriff walk. You know, listen, if his demands are twenty million dollars, which I can't see them being that high. Um, all right, I get it. This is your last year. See ya. Maybe we'll take. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we take Charles and kick him inside the guard. Maybe he shows a little bit, and we can kind of cover for that. But you know. If we can sign a deal for him with 17, 18 million right now, I pull the trigger and I don't think twice about it because there's going to be guys coming up behind him a week, a month later that are going to be making two more million dollars a year than him. So he's an all pro for a reason. 
I tend to agree with you. I, I was off that train for a while, but kind of be nice. It'd be nice to have a position just settled, right? And, mm-hmm. and to your point, next to the rookie tackle would be awful helpful because you're right. I mean, who the the guys that are left are young and unproven either. I mean, I, I guess Charles. They've got it guard now. I, I always thought that they were going to give him a run at tackle, but it seems like that's not what they're looking at. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's – I see him listed on some depth charts as a tackle. You, you have two tackles right now who are on one-year contracts. So Leno's, Leno's on a one-year deal, and uh, Lucas is on the second year of his contract. So they're both going to be free agents next year. So it's – a distinct possibility that we go into 2022 and have to find two new tackles. That's assuming that Kosmi does not take over the starting tackle um, from the get-go. So you got Kosmi at one side and then maybe Charles can kick to the other side, wherever you want to find those positions for those two, they could be your future there. So I don't know what their plans are with him long-term. I know they liked him at guard. They thought he moved well in a phone booth. He was very powerful base, um, had strong hands. But he also moves very well for a big guy. You don't see that that often. So um, maybe he could be our left tackle in the future. Maybe he's a right tackle. Who knows? Mark, let's wrap with this. What makes for a good season this year in your mind? Well, I mean, we, we, we have to win the NFC East. You know, how many times have we looked at a team coming back-to-back NFC East champions? I, it's been ages that I can remember that's happened. So I want to win the NFC East. Um, you know, obviously coming out of there with a winning record would be great. Um, I don't think the East is going to be as bad as it was last year. Um, so we, we have the firepower this year to put up some significant points on offense to go along with that great defense on paper. So I expect us to be contending for the East. I expect us to have a winning record. Um, a playoff victory would be absolutely amazing. Um, you know, we haven't had one of those. We haven't seen one of those for ages as well. So that would be for me a successful season would be another NFC East championship, um, a, a playoff win, you know, and obviously a winning record. Mark, this was a whole lot of fun. Love talking ball. Uh, tell the folks where they can find you and what you got coming up next. Yeah. So, um, you know, check us out on um, Hogs Haven. You know, we're, we're always welcome. We always love to have new people pop over and, and jump into our discussion boards and chit chat and just talk football with us. Um, we have some great writers over there that, put out some great pieces and kind of keep everyone up to date on stuff. So, um, you know, I'm over there, hit me up anytime on my email, on my Twitter, anything like that. So uh, I love to talk football and, and just love to talk uh, Washington football team. So. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you. Doug, thank you, bro. I appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. You too, bro. Be good.